Have you ever had an encounter with someone that just left you different? I mean, a face-to-face moment that left you speechless or encouraged or inspired? Well, this morning, we began a series called Face-to-Face with Jesus. And over the next few weeks, we'll be looking at some of the stories in the Bible of regular people that came face-to-face with Jesus, and because of that interaction, they were changed forever. I believe that through their stories, you are going to discover that when you come face-to-face with God's Son, Jesus, your life will never be the same. John Newton was born in 1725. Most famously known for being the writer of one of the church's most cherished hymns, Amazing Grace, Newton didn't always believe the words he wrote. As a young boy, his father was the captain of a ship. His mother, Elizabeth, passed away when John was only seven years old. And with his father gone for years at a time on expeditions, John would wander through life somewhat lost. By 11 years old, he would go to sea, just like his father. As a teen, he lived up to the reputation of vulgar, being vulgar and, and immoral as a sailor. Even at one point, joining the Navy to only be, to be dismissed because of his unruly attitude. Church, or faith in an unseen God, had no place in his life. And, and he also made it a mission of his to try to dissuade as many people as he could away from a life of faith. At age 23, he would have an encounter that would change him for good. Newton was aboard a ship called the Greyhound. And at this point, he was a seasoned sailor. But a terrible storm whipped up that March day that would rock the ship. Newton, who was asleep in in his cabin when the storm came on, was awakened to a wave crashing through the wall of his cabin. He would spend the rest of the night furiously pumping water off the deck to try to keep his his ship afloat. Some of his fellow sailors lost their lives in the storm, but Newton managed to survive. And in the midst of the storm, he cried out a very simple prayer. Lord, have mercy. He was even taken back by his own words because he had little or no time for God, cared nothing about his mercy, and yet he stood on that deck face to face with him, crying out for help. In one of his hymns, he would later write this, Sovereign grace has power alone to subdue a heart of stone, and moment grace is felt, then the hardest heart will melt. A moment or a well-placed person in your life has this tendency to put you face-to-face with your maker and force you to see life in a different way than you've ever seen it. This is the experience that I had when I looked into the eyes of my children for the first time. It was during these encounters that I saw my goals, my responsibilities, and desires for life in a brand new way. Many of the things that seemed like a big deal before seemed to matter less when I held them for the first time, or I heard them laugh, or I heard the words, Dada. This morning, I want to look at a story found in John's Gospel of a face-to-face meeting Jesus had with someone that changed them forever. This morning, I want to look at this statement. We'll talk about it the whole time through. But coming face-to-face with Jesus changes everything. Now, John, the writer of this gospel, is someone who had a personal encounter with Jesus. But not just, a per- not just an encounter. He was one of Jesus' 12 disciples. And spent the better part of three years studying under Jesus' ministry, Jesus's ministry day in and day out. 
So he writes this letter so that we would be able to see the impact that Jesus had on not just him, but on others he came across. And for us to see that we could come face to face with Jesus as well. In fact, the last part of his letter says this. It says, Jesus did many other things as well. If every one of them were written down, I suppose that even the whole world would not have room for the books that could be written. In other words, I could go on for days and days telling the moments that people came face to face with the Messiah and the impact that he had on them. But he wants you to know that when you come face to face with Jesus, it changes everything. So we're going to pick it up in John chapter 5. And we come across this man for whom Jesus changed everything. We'll start in verse 1. says this. Sometime later, Jesus went up to Jerusalem for one of the Jewish festivals. Now there is, there is in Jerusalem near the Sheep Gate a pool, which in Aramaic is called Bethesda, and which is surrounded by five covered colonnades. Here a great number of disabled people used to, to lie. The blind, the lame, the paralyzed. One who was there had been an invalid for 38 years. When Jesus saw him lying there and learned that he had been in this condition for a long time, he asked him, do you want to get well? Now, that right there, that is a strange question. But we'll come back to that. Verse 7 says this. Sir, the invalid replied, I have no one to help me get into the pool when the water is stirred. While I'm trying to get in, someone else goes down ahead of me. See, what they believed was that from time to time, an angel would come down and stir the water, and the first person to get into the water after it was stirred would be healed from whatever sickness or disease they were afflicted by. This is what he's referring to when he says, I have no one to help me into the pool. Verse 8 says, Then Jesus said to him, Get up, pick up your mat, and walk. And at once the man was cured. He picked up his mat and walked. I want to talk to you this morning about three things that change when you come face to face with Jesus. When you come face to face with Jesus, it changes your today. Let's go back and look at verse 5 and 6. 5 says, One was there who had been an invalid for 38 years. And when Jesus saw him lying there, he learned that he had been in this condition for a long time. He asked him, Do you want to get well? Now you have to imagine this scene. You have all these people congregating around this pool. And here's a picture of a model of what historians believe it may have looked like. So this was anything but an, it was, this was not an intimate scene. This wasn't a backyard pool scene. There would have been hundreds, if not thousands of people congregating around this pool. And Jesus cuts through the crowd. And there would have been numerous people laying with all sorts of ailments. And through the crowd, he, he chooses to meet with this one guy. Now, why this guy? I have no idea. But Jesus approaches this guy and finds out he's been unable to walk for 38 years. Now, just a side note. This is not the same guy that we talked about last week, if you tuned into our Easter message. No, this guy has been unable to walk for 38 years, and Jesus asks him this question. Do you want to get well? Now, Again, that seems like an odd question, but it's actually not that odd for a couple reasons. This man had been used to his situation. Other people would have helped him, helped him up, helped carry him. And while it might seem like a no-brainer that he would want to get well, the ability to walk would mean he'd be able to work. And with this newfound freedom, 
well, newfound responsibility would follow. I don't know about you, but the trade-off of being able to walk and having to work was really not an issue. I'd do whatever I needed to do to be able to walk. But Jesus asked the question, do you want to get well? And the second part of the question is this. You would assume everyone would say, yes, I want to get better. But that's not always the case. As a youth pastor, I would talk to teens about this issue all the time. You need to be careful who you associate with, who you let into your circle of friends. But this goes for adults as well. Because who you're running with is where you're running to. Let me say that again. Who you're running with is where you're running to. The people that you surround yourself with will take you to the places that you end up in life. For example, let's say that the group of people that you call your closest friends are involved in destructive behavior. You're constantly involved in drama, always spending your money on different addictions, no real ambition for anything in life but self-serving things. And then one day for you, the light comes on and you think, I want more out of this life. I'm tired of all the gossip. I'm tired of being hungover on a Saturday. I have dreams that this lifestyle is actually hampering. I want something more. And you decide that everything's going to change. I'm going to make a change. And you want more for all your friends too. But not everyone wants to get well. Not everyone wants to run the race that you're going to race. What they're doing is comfortable. It's known. It's easier. Not everyone wants to get well. So this question isn't that crazy. Because this man had been in this condition for 38 years. It's what he knew. So Jesus asked him, do you want to get well? Because when you come face to face with Jesus, it changes your today. It doesn't matter what your last 38 years look like or your last 38 minutes even. Your situation can change today. What was once in your life doesn't always have to be in your life. Because Jesus has the authority and has the ability to change your today. Maybe you had a rough upbringing. Or maybe you're like, Pastor Roy, you don't even know what I, what I did when I was in college. You don't know what shame I have over the things that I've done in my life. Jesus would look at you today and ask, do you want to get well? Because it can happen today. A face-to-face -face with Jesus can change your today. Here's the second thing. When you come face to face with Jesus, it changes your trust. Let's go back to verse 7. Verse 7 says, Sir, the invalid replied, I have no one to help me get into the pool when the, the water stirred. So as I read this, it becomes obvious that this man has his trust in two things. First, he says, there's no one to help me. So his trust is in someone. His trust is in other people. And secondly, his trust is in the right circumstances. I have no one to help me get into the pool when the water is stirred. If I'm going to get better, I need the help of someone at the exact right time. This is what he's saying. And it's easy to come down on this guy for not putting his trust in God, but I need to ask myself, what areas am I not putting my full trust in God? In what areas of my life do I have my trust in someone or, or others? In what areas of my life do I have my trust in my circumstances? Because imagine this. This man is sitting there, and perhaps while Jesus is talking to him, maybe he's half paying attention. Maybe he's actually looking around Jesus. 
with his eyes fixated on the pool of water. And his hope is in him getting in the water at the right time, desperately seeking a healing. And all the while, when he's looking for his healing, the healer is right next to him. How often do we do that? How often do we put our trust in people? And we know people are human. We know they're going to let us down from time to time. How often do we put our trust in our circumstances, our bank account, our job situation? And it's all too real to us right now that those things aren't always stable. So this man has his trust in the pool and the people that can get him into the pool. One time there was a boy. And this boy was trapped in a building three stories high during a fire. And the young boy was, was able to get to the window, but it was too high to climb down from. And he's, as he looked down, a group of people had gathered below while the fire department were still on their way. And the people below, they began to plead with the boy, jump, you need to jump while you still can. But he refused. He was scared. He stood there frozen while the crowd pleaded. Suddenly a man from the back pushed his way through the crowd until he was in the front. And the man held out his arms and without any hesitation the boy jumped and landed in his arms. The crowd screamed and cheered. They high-fived each other. One guy looked at the man and asked, how did you do that? I mean, we've been pleading with him to jump for a while and he wouldn't. And the man said, I'm the boy's father. He's jumped into my arms a thousand times and I've never dropped him. When you come face to face with Jesus, it changes your today, but it also changes your trust. He will never drop you. He is the safety net no matter what the circumstances are. And the third thing is this. When you come face to face with Jesus, it changes your truth. What this man by the pool thought was true wasn't true. He thought if I can just get in this pool, if I can just find a way to be the first one in when the pool is stirred by angels, all my problems will be gone. That wasn't the truth. He was looking to the pool for superstitious healing, but the healer he, would, he, he, the healer he was face to face with, and the healer only needed to speak a word or give him what he, to give him what he desperately needed. Verse 8 says this, Then Jesus said to him, Get up. Pick up your mat and walk. And at once the man was cured. And he picked up his mat and walked. All this man needed in the moment was a word from Jesus and the obedience to follow this command. What we believe to be true sometimes isn't true. How many of us have said, if I just had this dream job I've been striving for, I won't need a thing. That's not necessarily true anymore. If I just had a nest egg of money, this much money in my account, then I could handle any circumstances come my way. That's not necessarily true. That virus, I've heard about it in the news, but that's an over there problem, not a Canada problem. Not true. Your circumstances can change in the blink of an eye, but the word of God does not. The safety and peace found in putting your full trust in Jesus cannot be changed by the circumstances around you. Does that mean that Christians don't have concerns about their finances or their situation or their well-being? Not at all. We have concerns. But as a follower of Jesus, as someone who has come face to face with Jesus, I hold tight to a different perspective. 
An eternal perspective that says, I don't have to wait on the right timing. And I don't have to wait on the right circumstances and depend on others to give me my peace. I can have peace in the middle of the chaos. If you align your life with the word of God, it's not going to foolproof your bank account. It's not going to protect your job from layoffs. It's not even going to ensure that you will not suffer illness or harm. But what Jesus guarantees in this life is your eternal protection as an adopted child child, and an heir of God. No evil, no virus can ever take that away. And when you come face to face with Jesus and you put your faith in him, it changes everything. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, God, I thank you that you're a God who sees us and cares about us. You know the circumstances. Your heart cries out when we suffer pain. But God, because of this face-to-face interaction, because we can come before you and we can, we can put our full trust, the full weight of our trust into your, into your arms, God, you will carry us through no matter what the circumstance is. God, you are the healer. God, you are the safety net. God, you are the one that will never drop us when we jump. And so, God, I pray this morning for those that are out there right now and and they've never come face-to-face with you. I pray that they would seek you this morning. I pray that in their quiet time that they would reach out and ask you to reveal yourself to them. And, Lord, I pray for those that that have put their faith and their trust in things, people, or, or circumstances, God, I pray that they would turn and they would put their faith in the thing that never fails, and that's you. And so, so, Lord, I ask your blessing on each person that's listening and listening this morning. And, uh, God, I ask this in your name. Amen.